expect anything else.
We welcome you into worship this day. It is glorious to be with you and to be with the risen Christ in this time, in this place of worship, and this experience of knowing God. A lot is going on in the life of the church as we continue our Sunday school classes. We had another good week uh, to start that out and look forward to continuing that. We are continuing to look at more ways that we can engage the church and share together in uh, our faith development and in our life as the church community. So continue to look for and listen for announcements uh, regarding some of those opportunities. Apparently it's fall now, which also means that it's almost winter, which means it's also almost Christmas time. Um, I, I went to the store a few weeks ago and all the summer stuff was gone and it was all Halloween. I went to the store last weekend and all the Halloween stuff was put off to the side and all the Christmas stuff was up already. So apparently we are really, really ready for Christmas and we are working on making sure that we are going to be ready for Christmas around here as well. So there are plans uh, being put in place for our Christmas Eve service. And I will say this now so that there is no confusion later. My preference, and I say my preference because I don't get the final say on this, but my preference is that December 25th, which is what day of the week? <laughs> December 25th is a Sunday. And what do we do on Sundays? Worship. What better day of the year is it to worship the newborn king than on December 25th? So, I will be here on December 25th. even if I have to do it all by myself. But I'm putting it out there now, just so you know, let's plan on worshiping together on December 25th, Sunday. The Lord's Day. Christ's Day. The Christ Mass. So continue to listen and look for announcements regarding things that are going on in the life of the church, checking out our uh, weekly newsletter, uh, The Disciple, which is online uh, through email. Also, there are printed copies that are mailed out and printed copies in the Narthex. Um, Facebook and our website, ChristOurKing.net, continue to be great ways to stay up to date and involved with the news going on in the church. As we come to worship this day, we are reminded of storms throughout this world that bring heavy rains and waters that bring flooding and disasters, but we are also reminded that there are places where water continues to be in short supply and high demand. But we come to worship a God who has provided for us, and these are living waters. And while we pour out the physical water, what we really are showing 
is the spiritual water that has been gifted unto us, a water of life, a living water to share with others, a way of being, and a way of loving and working towards peace. Come, let us worship.
Good morning. Please stand if you feel comfortable and join me in the call to worship. From east and west, from north and south, we have come. We join together in our differences and our similarities. We worship our one God. We are all part of the body of Christ. God has arranged his body, this family of faith that forms us. Come with the body of Christ, worship its maker. Let's join together and sing, It Is Well With My Soul, found on page 519 in the hymnal and printed in your bulletin.
Now join me in the call to confession. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, yet we are justified by the gift of God's grace through the redemption that is ours in Jesus Christ. Trusting in God's mercy, let us confess our sin. O Lord, our God, you call us to work for a world where all will be fed and have dignity, but we find ourselves distracted by our own desires. You call us to seek justice and peace, but we are satisfied with injustice and discord. You call us to bring liberty to the oppressed, but we do not insist on freedom for all. Forgive us, O Lord. Turn us to your will by the power of your spirit so that all may know your justice and peace. We have reflected on our own weaknesses and on the frailty of others. Jesus says, go and sin no more. So we go, no longer accusing ourselves of sins that have been forgiven, nor condemning others for the sins that God has forgiven them. As receivers of God's grace, we ask for help to be grace givers in the week ahead. In the name of Christ, the peace of Christ be upon you. Join me in the prayer for illumination. God, our helper, by your Holy Spirit, open our minds that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may be led into your truth and taught your will for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now we invite the children to come down to the front of the church to share in a minute of, of learning. And Miss Danden's going to join us here. Good morning. How are you today? Um, raise your hand if you've ever tattled on somebody. All right, come on. How many of you have ever told on somebody? Oh, that person is kicking somebody else or out on the playground. You see somebody not breaking the, not following the rules and you Go tell the teacher. That's happened. You've, or you've seen it happen, haven't you? Right. Well, there's a story in the Bible where some religious leaders brought a woman down and said, this woman, would you be that woman for today? Would you stand up and stand, and sit, stand right here for me? Okay. You, we're just pretending. Okay. And they said, she broke the worst rule. She did a very bad thing. And Jesus happened to be there. And they, they asked Jesus, what should we do? 
the law is that we stone this person because they broke that bad rule. That would mean we take a rock and we would throw the rock at them. That's what the law used to be way back then. <laughs> so the, the, the religious leaders said, what do you think? Well, Jesus went, bent down, and he started writing in the sand. He didn't really answer him at first. And then he said, the priest said, what, what do you think we should do with this woman? And they said, he said, well, come pick up a rock if you have never sinned before, if you've never broken a rule, or you, you've never um, did a bad thing ever. How many of those priests came and picked up a rock? How many do you think? Did, did any of them do that? Not one. Not one picked up that rock. Can you come pick up a rock? Do you think you could do that? Do you, could you pick up a rock and throw it at, because you were, um, because you were perfect? No, nope, not one. Not any of us. I want you to do something for me. I want you to point your finger, and everybody could do this. Point your finger at her and say she did a bad thing. Point. Now one finger is pointing to her, but look how many people fingers are pointing at you. Three fingers are pointing back at you. So whenever one finger, Braxton, one finger. <laughs> I gotcha. No rocks for you. <laughs> so just remember that when somebody m makes a mistake or does a bad thing, that Maybe you should forgive them and, and let them um, uh, go out and try not to do it again, right? Okay, that's about our heads. You can sit down. Thank you. Dear Lord, help us to, to be thankful and give grace to those who make mistakes. Um, please be with us and remind us to go and st stand in for others. In your name, amen. All right. I wanted to make a one announcement I forgot to ask. Wednesday night, you don't have to cook. You can go to McGurk's and have dinner there because we're having a fundraiser for the preschool. And uh, I think we get 15% of the sales comes back to the preschool. So put that on your calendar to go to McGurk's uh, on Wednesday night. Thanks. Go back. Uh, Sunday, there's, there's uh, Children's Church after. Old Testament reading today comes from 1 Samuel chapter 25, uh, 
The bulletin says verses 2 through 14, but we're going to read all the way through uh, verse 38. So you can find it on page 269 in the Pew Bible. There was a man in Maon whose property was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. The woman was clever and beautiful, but the man was surly and mean. He was a Calebite. David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent 10 young men, and David sent to the young men, go up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him by my name. Thus you shall salute him. Peace be to you, and peace be to your house, and peace be to all that you have. I hear that you have shearers. Now your shepherds have been with us, and we did them no harm, and they missed nothing all the time they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your sight, for we have come on a feast day. Please give whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son David. When David's young men came, they said all this to Nabal in the name of David, and then they waited. But Nabal answered David's servants, Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants today who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and the meat that I have butchered for my shearers and give it to men who come from I do not know where? So David's young men turned away and came back and told him this. David said to his men, Every man strap on his sword, and every one of them strapped on his sword. David also strapped on his sword, and about 400 men went up to David, while 200 remained with the baggage. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he shouted insults at them. Yet the men were very good to us, and we suffered no harm, and we never missed anything when we were in the fields, as long we were, as we were with them. They were a wall to us, both by night and by day, all the while we were with them, keeping the sheep. Now therefore know this and consider what you should do, for evil has been decided against our master and against all his house. He is so ill-natured that no one can speak to him. Then Abigail hurried and took 200 loaves, two skins of wine, five sheep ready-dressed, five measures of parched grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs. She loaded them on donkeys and said to her young men, Go on ahead of me, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. As she rode on the donkey and came down under cover of the mountain, David and his men came down toward her and she met them. Now David had said, Surely it was in vain that I protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him, but he has returned me evil for good. God do so to David, and more also, if by morning I leave so much as one male of all who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and alighted from the donkey, fell before David on her face, bowing to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, Upon me alone, my lord, shall be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. My lord, do not take seriously this ill-natured fellow Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. 
but I, your servant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, since the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from taking vengeance with your own hand, now let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be like Nabal. And now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your servant, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord, and evil shall not be found in you so long as you live. If anyone should rise up to pursue you and seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living under the care of the Lord your God, but the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the hollow of a sling. When the Lord has done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you prince over Israel, my Lord shall have no cause for grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause or for having saved himself. And when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your servant. David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you to meet me today. Blessed be your good sense, and blessed be you who have kept me today from blood guilt and from avenging myself by my own hand. For as surely as the Lord of God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, truly by morning there would not have been left in Nabal so much as one male. Then David received from her hand what she had brought him. He said to her, Go up to your house in peace. See, I have heeded your voice, and I have granted your petition. Abigail came to Nabal. He was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king. Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. So she told him nothing at all until the morning light. In the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things, and his heart died within him. He became like a stone. About ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. Our second reading comes from the Gospel according to John in the 8th chapter, verses 1 through 11. <clears throat> then each of them went home, while Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and making her stand before all of them, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They said this to test him, so that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they went away, one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. 
Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way, and from now on, do not sin again. This is the word of the Lord. I had this problem in my last church that I served, and it was a comedic one because there was never any intention of it, but there was one elder who, he didn't really like reading scripture because he was never really comfortable with it, and it seemed that every time that he was going to help lead worship was when I had selected the longest passages to be read. And I'm just saying, beware. (laughs) Sometimes that becomes part of the problem of selecting scripture and making sure that we are doing our job to hear and know God's word in a fullness. The problem of that specific story of David is one that one of the reasons why you probably haven't heard that one very much is there's no way to shorten it. You can't take out the middle part and go to the end. The whole thing has to be read to fully understand what happens. One of the things that also occurs in Scripture is in this John passage, We actually need to have a really strong sense of biblical knowledge and understanding because there is more to this story and understanding what is happening beyond just knowing that a woman was caught in adultery, there's a law that says put women to death by stoning, and that Jesus asked all of the men if they had ever sinned. In the law that Moses gave, in the book of Leviticus, in the 20th chapter, you can find a law that says, if a man commits adultery with a woman, even the wife of his neighbor, the man and the woman shall both be put to death by stoning. That is the law that was given, and that's the law that the Pharisees and scribes are following. But do you notice a specific individual that is not brought forward? The man was not brought forward. Partly because over time... Rules changed. The laws were revisioned and re-understood. And those in power sought to not be accused by them. The laws of divorce came into play, and many of those laws of divorce ended up 
being changed so that a man who even thought that a woman had committed adultery could divorce her. But the law prior to that had been there has to be proof and there has to be witnesses to the trial. There has to be a sense of true justice being done before a man can divorce his wife on the pretense of adultery. Now, one other thing that comes into this is they say this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Did you know that there used to be even on these shores, elders of churches who were responsible to go and look in the windows of homes of church members and make sure that they were not doing any inappropriate relationshiping. A, you're not laughing enough, and B, you are not moaning enough, and C, oh my goodness, people, there were actually people assigned to go and make sure that you were doing things in your bed in the only prescribed and approved ways. And they were not charged with being, doing anything wrong. I would not want that responsibility, thank you very much. So we have a group of men who have caught this woman committing adultery, and they have brought her, and only her, which makes me wonder was the reason she was caught in adultery because the other person that she was caught with is in that circle? That's a good question to ask, and we don't have the answer, so it can only be speculation. But again, they do not bring both parties into the accusation, only the woman. So I want that to be understood when we look at this and we see Jesus... <coughs> dealing with them is that Jesus knows well that the law is that both should be stoned. But we also see abuse of power being handed out. We see sexism at work. We see misdeeds being held up for the sake of showing the misdeeds of someone else. And so we are struck with this challenge. You who are without sin, pick up and cast the first stone. This is a powerful moment for Christ. Christ who is showing that none of us can fulfill all of the law. None of us are able 
to say that we are without sin, even those of us today who know that Christ has already forgiven us and taken to the cross our sins, we still sin. The problem becomes twofold. One, it becomes, oh, I've already been forgiven, so I can sin and nothing's going to be a problem. No, that's not how that works. You have been forgiven, and so as someone who has been forgiven, live as one who has been forgiven. Go and sin no more is a call to us to live a changed life where we understand how we had hurt others, how we had hurt our relationship with God, and how we are called into different and to better. Not that we are then called to point out everyone else's flaws, but that we help overcome them. The second thing that becomes a challenge with this is that the refrain, well, let those of you without sin cast the first stone, has become a way of trying to get away with anything. And it's become a popular thing, and I say that in the sense of not just Today, yesterday, and 10 years ago, I am saying that in the terms of today, yesterday, and 2,000 years ago, to be able to look around and say, well, yes, I may have done something wrong, but I know all of you have done something wrong, so you can't blame me. You can't charge me. Again, that's not what Jesus was saying here. There still is a responsibility for us to be held accountable in the law and in our own lives. But again, there has to be due process, due justice. There has to be an accounting and a proving of the misdeed and not just random accusations said and made and followed up on. But that's how we tend to exist as human beings. The first thing we hear must be the truth and we're going to act on it. The first accusation must be the truth because no one would accuse without any proof. And so we don't follow up on it. But Jesus says even in this, the penalties that we want to place out we are more excited about how to punish someone than we are about how to make our lives better. Part of what Jesus was dealing with was a group of people who were so excited that they had caught someone that they were going to get to full, fulfill all righteousness by killing somebody. That was their excitement. That was why they brought this woman before Jesus, because they wanted to show up Jesus and show how they were fulfilling righteous law by killing someone.
And Jesus turns them back around to look at themselves and ask, why is it that you want to do this? Jesus turns the law on its head. But he also calls out that these people are not fulfilling the law. They are only fulfilling that which they want to fulfill. A challenge for us. A challenge of making sure that we are not always going out after someone else, but that we are introspect to ourselves that we are aware of our own needs and forgiveness, that we are aware of how we have been forgiven and set free to live a new and better life. But it also, it also has a very important statement in it that is easy to miss over because the men go away one by one as they all realize that they too have sinned in some way. And perhaps even some of them have sinned in a way that would have led to death by stoning. So who is it that is left to bring charges against this woman and to condemn her? It is Christ alone. Why is it important that we see Christ alone as the one who can bring the condemnation and the punishment? Well, let's rewind about 25 minutes ago when Anne started reading Scripture. That story of David and his young men, of Nabal who is foolish, and his wife Abigail, we see in foolish pride someone disrespecting what they know and what they don't know, ignoring how they should be taking care of those who come to them, but pushing them aside because I don't really know if I trust you or not. And we see David in a fit of rage. And what does he call out? That he will handle taking justice into his own hands. That he is going to go and he is going to kill Nabal and all of Nabal's people. Swearing an oath to God that that's what he is going to do. Remember, this is David who will become king. And this is the man who, sa who God says, this one is after my own heart. 
This is the same David who, being married to multiple women already, will see another woman's wife bathing on the roof and will want her for his own as well. Fortunately, Abigail, hearing what has gone on, understanding the circumstances of what will happen, realizing that Nabal has insulted David and that David will more than likely be wanting to come and bring justice through the sword, packs up plenty of supplies for the people takes them and asks for forgiveness. She takes it upon herself to ask that the folly of her husband be put on her. And that David not go through with his plan. So we see Abigail in that moment taking a stand for peace, realizing that there is a peaceful resolution possible. She takes it upon herself to ease David's anger, to readdress the situation, and to place it not as David fulfilling revenge, but leaving the space for God to do what God will do. She takes a stand for herself and for all of her family and all of her servants, all of those who work in the fields of Nabal. And through her willing action, pulls David from making a huge mistake and gives life to those who would have lost it without need. But she also placed it back that vengeance is the Lord's. And the Lord takes vengeance upon Nabal and no one else. She took a chance for peace. She made a stand to change the bloodshed into peace. So we see Jesus again with this woman left alone with her, God alone making the decision on how this woman should be dealt. And Jesus forgives her and sends her on her way to go and sin no more, to realize what had been done. Not just in her actions, but what had been done in Christ's actions in forgiving her and giving her new life. Jesus takes a stand and takes a chance to create peace in the village removing the excessive abuse of power and placing back in the place the creation of peace and an existence where violence is not necessary. This is our constant call in following Christ. 
to stand in that place for those who cannot stand for themselves. It's a common theme that we love to see in movies and we love to hear about at our children's schools when a group of kids are bullying some other kid and one of our children decides to step in and stand up to them. Yet it becomes harder and harder for us to appreciate that when the individuals get older and older. It gets harder when we see adults bullying each other and someone standing up against them. When we see abuses of power and we see people stand up against them. But we are called to call out those abuses. We are called to take a chance, to take a stand, to be the bringers of peace. Amen. For those who are comfortable, will you please stand as you are able and body and in spirit and let us together affirm our faith. We trust in God, the Holy Spirit, everywhere the giver and renewer of life. The Spirit justifies us by grace through faith, sets us free to accept ourselves and to love God and neighbor, and binds us together with all believers in the one body of Christ, the Church. The same Spirit who inspired the prophets and apostles rules our faith and life in Christ through Scripture, engages us through the word proclaimed, claims us in the waters of baptism, feeds us with the bread of life and the cup of salvation, and calls women and men to all ministries of the church. In a broken and fearful world, the Spirit gives us courage to pray without ceasing, to witness among all peoples to Christ as Lord and Savior, to unmask idolatries in church and culture, to hear the voices of peoples long silenced, and to work with others for justice, freedom, and peace. In gratitude to God, empowered by the Spirit, we strive to serve Christ in our daily tasks and to live holy and joyful lives, even as we watch for God's new heaven and new earth, praying, come, Lord Jesus. With believers in every time and place, we rejoice that nothing in life or in death can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Please be seated. I invite you now to share your offerings. Do good and share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Let us present our offerings and ourselves to God. 
Hear now the prayer of dedication. Heaven and earth are yours, O Lord, and of your own we have given. Through your goodness you have blessed us with the gifts of ourselves, our time, and our possessions. Use us and what we have gathered in the feeding of your world in body and spirit. Amen. You please join me in prayer. Lord of all things, we come this day and we thank you for your witness to peace. We thank you for the stories in Scripture that help us to understand that there are always ways to overcome violence. That there are ways for us to make a difference does not require the sword or the stone. We thank you for your gift of creation. As we continue to look out further and further from our world, we continue to be amazed at the possibilities that are beyond us. We continue to be amazed at the expanse of your gift. But we are also amazed to realize that for the small part that we are of your creation, you care so deeply for us. For you have provided for us a world that has all of our needs, a world that has everything to fulfill our needs. You have called us to be stewards of this great resource. Continue to guide us as we seek better ways to serve each other. Guide us in ways that leave none homeless, none naked and cold, none hungry and longing. This world which you have created is filled with those whom you love and have created for life. Those who live in a variation of many places, from the warmest climates to the coldest mountains, to the wettest fields, to the driest plains. But all of them you love equally, having created them with your image and spark of life. And so we ask your help to see that spark of life in others to see your image, to see reflected back to us our own image of being your people. Help us to be peacemakers. Help us to take risks towards peace. 
not only in word, but in action. We continue to pray for those who face war, especially the people of Ukraine. We pray for those in nations where oppression reigns and where violence is the accepted form of punishment for even the smallest infractions. Help us to seek peace and justice, especially for those who are oppressed, women in many countries, people of color that are not of those same peoples in each country. The devaluation of individuals based upon where they live in each country. The separation of those who are educated and those who are not. The hatreds that abound because we seek power and glory for ourselves. The hatreds and mistrust that abound because we want to be able to pour out our own justice and flex our own power. We ask your guidance upon the leaders of our nation that they would have hearts for justice and peace, that they would seek mercy and honor. We pray for our state. We pray for our community. We give our thanksgiving to all of those who serve in ways that offer us a peaceful life. Those who help us in mental and physical well-being. Those who educate our children. Pray for those who work at jobs that we have deemed menial. Help us to understand how important all jobs are. And that everyone who works them has value. We bring the sorrows of our own congregation, O Lord. We bring the prayers for healing and recovery. 
for the needed strength and well-being. And we celebrate our joys. But most importantly, O oh God, help us to be a people of peace in and among ourselves. That we may be a witness to the world of what your kingdom looks like. Hear our prayers, O Lord, and grant us to know that your will shall be done as we pray with one voice with all of your faithful. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. To those who are comfortable, let us stand in body and spirit and sing together hymn number 733. We have a story to tell to the nations.
Take a stand for peace. Take a chance for peace. For you have been forgiven. Live as those who are forgiven. Forgive others and work with them that they may know peace and that they may serve peace alongside us as we serve peace alongside Christ. Go out into the world in peace. Have courage and hold on to that which is good, returning no person evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering and honor everyone. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be upon us all now and forevermore. Amen.